Welcome to the Right Brain Music Podcast, presented by Right Brain Records. I'm Scott, and I thank you for joining us. It's our goal in this podcast to explore the world of improvised music. In this episode, we take an unexpected turn toward Western classical music. We'll meet a dynamic trio from the United Kingdom called Quest Ensemble. They build on the classical tradition, yet are anything but traditional. But first, a question. Why is it that we never think of classical music and improvisation at the same time? The two seem mutually exclusive. But it wasn't always like that. Many of the great composers of past centuries were actually accomplished improvisers, and they often created their elaborate compositions through a process of improvising. Long ago, an idea took hold that a performer, whether an instrumentalist or a vocalist, held one job and one job only, to play what was written in front of them as it was written. Their training was rigorous and they were expected to stay in their lane. It was perhaps the start of an ongoing process of specialization in the modern world. Now fast forward to the 21st century and it's the same way, only more so. Like so many other specialized experts in our society, roles are strictly defined. In classical music, improvisation virtually vanished. But, as General MacArthur said, rules are made to be broken. The members of Quest Ensemble have rigorous classical training, but they've charted their own course. They comprise a piano trio, which is a traditional chamber music format that includes piano, violin, and cello. However, they play music that they compose together. Their music draws on many influences and falls under the tag contemporary classical. It's complex, imaginative, and captivating. What drew me to this trio was their use of improvisation, which adds a vibrancy that is fresh and unexpected. I talked with the members of Quest Ensemble to learn about their approach to making music, as well as their new album called The Other Side. You'll meet them today. They are violinist Pritha Narayanan, cellist Tara Franks, and pianist Philippe Sosa. Pritha grew up in Memphis in the United States. Philippe is originally from Portugal, Tara from England. They met in London over a decade ago and began to develop their rich musical chemistry. This is what they sound like together.
We met at Guildhall School of Music in London. We were all studying on the same master's course, which is called a master's in leadership. So the, the sort of general premise of it, it's, it's about learning to create with other people. So whether that's other artists, either in music, in visual arts, in theatre, or with, with groups of people in the community, it's essentially about collaboration and creating together. I, for a long time, was kind of struggling with the fact that if you choose a classical instrument, as it were, you get boxed, like choosing a cello or choosing a violin. Then your path is almost driven for you. Your path of being in Western classical music is set. And I certainly wanted, really wanted to be in a band when I was younger and just be able to make music up, but it doesn't feel so easy to do. So through the process of going on the course that we were on and, and beginning to collaborate and write with others, then we found this space that, like Preetha was saying, we could do this together in a commonality of wanting to create in a different way. music and my mom singing fado um, in Portugal and I went through the whole classical education like these guys and for me he kind of put me off of music at one point and that's when I was doing architecture and I became an architect for a brief period um, what I discovered then was um, an, another approach to music making uh, which was more to do with um, responding, listening and responding, improvisation. And at that time I was playing in the, in the improv scene in Lisbon. And when I came to London, it was because of this way of making music that I wanted to, to come, to make music with others. So I think it reflects uh, in the music through the process that we use, if that makes sense. So because of the way that we make music that usually starts with improvisation um, and with a lot of hours playing together, uh, all of those influences come, come through. I grew up in Memphis, in Tennessee. So a lot of people will hear that and immediately be like, oh, so you know, you're, you're used to the blues and jazz and all that. And of course, in our city, there were places that we listened to it. But in, again, I think a lot of music culture comes from your family. And so my family was still, um, especially my mom was very influenced by Indian music. So although she wanted us to be learning music and it didn't matter to her what that was. So we were learning violin and, um, training in Western, but not with pressure, just like learning. 
we were listening to Indian music and the Beatles and Simon and Garfunkel and Michael Jackson. It was really kind of casual home culture and um, Indian music just permeated through it. And then after I'd had very rigorous classical training, I started to actually gravitate towards like more interest in my roots. And although I'd been learning as a, a young person, I kind of was like, oh, I'm still American and pushed it aside. But I, I started to really be interested in the music itself. So I started to spend more time in India and I had a grant, a research grant to live there. And ever since then, I think my whole sense of listening and how I gravitate towards melody and rhythm. And, you know, I think that that planted a seed that has been translated over the last 15 years. I don't necessarily think those influences guide my interaction with Philippe and Tara because this is another musical space that I don't tend to define. I know that my personal music journey has you know, absorbed all of those ideas that wherever they come, they manifest in a new way in the context of Tara and Philippe.
I'm very enthusiastic when talking about improvisation. It's it's been it's been with me forever. Even when I was doing classical music, and I was doing it kind of in hiding because it felt like I couldn't or I shouldn't. Uh, I was told off whenever I was playing things I wasn't supposed to be playing. Um, with us, um, I think because we share this experience of of the course in London, and we traveled to similar places where we absorbed uh, oral culture, uh, oral music traditions uh, that for sure influenced the way we make music. Um, improvisation is um, the starting point for for uh, writing always. Sometimes. We have open sections, a little bit more, a little bit like in jazz, where there's a structured improvisation within a chord structure, or, or or sometimes it's free. Lately, and on this album, it's mostly it was mostly as a process towards uh, the composition. I think that's important for us to have that interaction. One of the strong things about us, I think, is that interaction which I believe comes from the making in the moment. And it brings, it, it brings us to that moment. It brings us present to dialogue with each other. People have often come to a performance and said, oh wow, I loved whatever piece today, like the name of a piece. And they felt like it was completely different from how they'd heard it before. And that will be because things will subtly change. And also that's just a sort of energy of the interaction. Um, at that particular moment in time. I think so much of it ends up being mindset because a lot of my, my great teachers and role models, even in university growing up, were amazing players and they inspired me so much. And they, they really had knowledge of music. And I, don't, I wouldn't consider them improvisers in the sense of what we think of improvisation now and what we're discussing, but I do think they had a deep musicianship. What happens, I think, in a broader cultural setting, like in institutions, often that mindset to encourage kind of learning off the page disappears in the attempt to perfect the technicalities and the technique that goes into these types of instruments. And I think that culture started, I mean, historically probably started to dominate um, and that gap between actually creating the music as well as learning and performing the music started to happen. But I think as that started to set, that's what's become the culture. It's like become a culture of perfection and execution. And I'm a product of that because I know that I really thrive on those elements as well. But um, what I think makes our music come alive and what I've really I guess gravitated towards in the last more recent stages of my musical journey is like how um I mean I don't want to call improvisation imperfection but also like how imperfection the sense of what we thought was right or wrong can actually become a channel for like being present in the moment and connecting and making music that's kind of transcends that level of perfection and then it brings in like a human quality to it. I think that's where that gap happens because we often are taught to kind of perform but we're not actually taught to listen.
having said all this, the interesting thing is that when we can, so we improvise, as we've said, as a process to start gathering ideas to then compose. But when we're composing and when we're creating a piece, it can take, firstly, it can take a very, very long time because it's a democratic process. Um, but also we get like caught in like the tiniest little sections of something that we're just so um, particular about exactly how we compose it. So it's sort of like this interesting line of, of improvisation as the process and then getting really into this tiny nitty gritty of strange rhythms that we're doing against one another and how many times around a loop someone's got to go and how many times someone else has to go. <laughs> I think before even going into key examples, it's worth saying, you know, some do start from complete free improvisation. Some might start from one person bringing in a small idea that came individually or two of us were jamming somewhere and we were like, oh, this would work really well with the trio. But um, regardless of what that starting point is, they do completely change in the context of the three of us. And as we kind of start to develop or jam on them further, Drops, which is on our album, um, is an interesting one because it was actually part of a commission for, for a bigger project that we were doing together with a visual artist who does live visuals with us. We work with a lot of Samang Lee um, and uh, actually a young a youth orchestra, a young musician youth orchestra bought, um, based in London. And um, we were asked to create a piece of music that we created with Samang. So it was it was written most of it predominantly over one weekend and we wrote it in direct collaboration with Samang. So it was like a dialogue between the visual art and the sound. And it started with a concept, which is different from some of the pieces. So it was a concept of a drop of ink because she does live ink projections um, and a drop of ink and a musical note. And we started with that idea with her projecting up on the wall, her drops of ink and us coming up with 
with notes and exploring the, the dialogue between that. And then we slowly developed with her creating visuals and us responding and then us responding and then her responding to us. And it was a sort of to and fro between. So we had a fourth member essentially in that process. So with Pendulum, we started with brief the setting of a, a chord progression with arpeggios uh, in form of a score, actually, which then I messed around with and shifted um, and then sent it back and then we tried it. And we had all these different bits, but not quite sure, we were not quite sure how to put them together. So that took quite uh, uh, a while until the puzzle came together working together for a long time, we know that the creative process and making the music for us to keep challenging ourselves as we grow and get more familiar, we, we want to keep that process alive. So definitely that evolution from the first album is kind of a starting point for us. But as we got to this, um, the newer pieces, we were always thinking about what can we do that will kind of make us do something in a new way. So I think when Philippe's saying that, you know, exploring notation, we, we never really used the notation after that. It was just a prompt to get some funky ideas and try something completely different. And then we ended up learning those bits and then improvising what would come next from it.
the other side, I feel like if I remember rightly, we were just playing in this space here in the barn and we kind of came up with the, the starting idea and it, and, and sometimes we have a tendency to get a bit too complicated and we were like, can we keep it really just quite concise and quite a kind of simple song-like idea? that you taught classical music, it was taught more like a language. You wouldn't start reading music, you would start jamming it, improvising it. On, on top of that, there's also this sense of, it's a piano trio, is a very known ensemble. It's historically like a really, um, yeah, traditional ensemble. And so within the, I think actually once we started, once we became a trio, we were like, actually, this is really interesting because it is such a known traditional format but what can we make that has a really different sound world and on top of that how can we challenge the role that each of us play in all the pieces we create and I think that's something else we're really into it's like there are traditional roles for each of our instruments within the piano trio format but how can we one challenge our own playing ourselves but then also like how we sit together and and are there and also at times like what's like the acoustic sound we can collectively make where you almost don't can't define what instrument's playing what so playing around with those tiny acoustic frequencies is something else that we're really interested in the ethos i think the heart and why we're doing something and what our priorities are as musicians we work not just as performers, we are educators, we're creative um, workshop leaders, we care about the community, we care about like the kind of broader picture of what music serves in the world, in our communities and society. And I think first, like those things really as people keep us in chemistry. 
And when you have that as the kind of like stepping stone, then you can invite all of the other influences and all of the other kind of ways of being that allow for musical chemistry. I mean, we've definitely gone through our individual journeys um, in the world as musicians, and then we're constantly coming back to this place of keeping our trio alive. And that's what keeps us going, I think. It's that fact that we, we have this long history together, but at the heart of it, we're resting on a shared mission in life as musicians and artists. Also, if you're writing the music together, not just sort of performing and practicing it, but writing it, you're, then there's something about you're more ingrained in the parts, which I feel like music should, for me, like it feels like music should be like this, but there's an alarming lack of awareness when you grow up in classical music of people playing their part and they actually don't know what everybody else is doing. So there's something about being so in, so you're inside, you're not just in your part, but you're inside the music and you're all, you know, we've had funny moments where it's, I say suddenly in a performance where I'm like, hold on a second, Preeta's playing my line. That's my bit. Because <laughs> we're so like ingrained. <laughs> or like we forget, we're like, it's, who normally plays that bit? Because <laughs> you're so kind of in, in tune in the mix of it. We have a lot of passion for what we do and we take care of what we do. So I think that comes through in the music. This album is an intimate album. It's full of detail and, and depth, I think. It requires maybe yourself to allow to sit with it. I like to, to think of music as a, a special moment. So the other side is definitely a journey. It's very personal. A lot has happened these years that we were writing for us personally, good moments, uh, bad moments. And I think it comes through. It comes through the music. And uh, that's the hope that anyone who's listening to it can also um, go through that journey, through their own journey, through the music. I mean, I guess that's what the point of music is. As I listen to Quest Ensemble, I'm struck by several things. First, the music itself is spellbinding. It's complex, yet has a natural sense of freedom. Their use of improvisation and composition contributes to its originality and spirit. These three musicians have a remarkable chemistry together, and their shared philosophy about music is a big part of that. They embrace traditions 
while taking a non-traditional path and prove that you can do both. Quest Ensemble's new album, The Other Side, was recorded with acclaimed producer Fred Thomas. It is a distinctive musical statement and I urge you to explore it for yourself. Find them on Bandcamp or their website, questensemble.co.uk. You can find direct links on our blog at rightbrainrecords.com.
You've been listening to the Right Brain Music Podcast, presented by Right Brain Records. You can visit us at rightbrainrecords.com. Farewell for now. Join us next time. Thank <laughs> you.